0: you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. You know, each and every day on I Work For Him, we try to bring on guests that inspire me and I want you to hear about it. Ministries that inspire me to excellence, to deepness, deeperness in my, wow, that's that Mountain Dew speaking, the deeperness in my faith. People that have written books that challenge me to go deeper in my faith and my walk each and every day. Business people who have testimonies to share and that inspire each one of us. About five years ago, I got introduced to a ministry called Love Serves International. A good friend of mine, Marky Clarky, down there in Lakewood Ranch, introduced me to a now good friend, Peter Swanson with Love Serves International. Peter then introduced me to his boss quote unquote at uh, the well I know it's really a boss but I know Martin's got lots of other jobs Martin Newby. and it wasn't then that I found out that Martin was well connected across Tampa Bay but we have now for 5 years been involved we've done a lot of radio shows well, 3 or 4 of them and and I've gotten involved in this ministry and it it has impacted my life because I've never seen a ministry run so efficiently I've never seen a ministry impact the kingdom so effectively with such a strategic plan it's just so awesome So I wanted you guys to hear about it today. This is a ministry I want you to get involved in because each and every day this ministry is leading people to Christ and then discipling them. What a fantastic idea. Hebrews 13, 16 says this, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Martin Newby, Peter Swanson, Love Serves International. Welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you,
1: Jim. Thank you, Jim, for having us.
0: I'm excited to have you here. You know, it's uh, Martin. I didn't realize you hadn't been on the radio before. You should have been. Uh, we tried doing this a couple years ago, and we had your business partner, Brent Whitehead, on here with Peter. And Peter, you've been on here a couple of times. I'm ex- just excited to hear, before we get started, anything to talk about Love Serves, which you can find out more about Love Serves online at loveserves.org. That's loveserves.org. Peter, talk to me about how Christ is making a difference in your life today.
2: Oh, Jim. I'm telling you, just being a part of an organization that's bigger, bigger than yourself, uh, to me is key. It, we have um, when you, when you look at your life, let's say you you get to live 80 years, uh, you get to live 100 years, and you look back at your life, um, the things that we did with our own hands, uh, some might say that's gratification, that's, that's gratifying, but but really being part of something much greater than yourself is really the key, and that's how I feel when I. When I get to be a part of an organization um, that's seeing thousands come to Christ, and and I know that what what Jesus asks of us is to go out and make disciples and to and to grow His kingdom and to be a part of that, knowing that I'm part of that, that has really uh, changed me, transformed my life, um, just being part of it the last six years. And how's it impacted your marriage? Oh my goodness, <laughs> uh, you know it's. In so many ways, um, I don't even know where to start. You're married but, to Amy now. How many years? Uh, it'll be 16 years in January. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: but it's made it. It's made an impact. Being in ministry like this, being inspired by people who are truly making a kingdom impact, being a part of something bigger than yourselves, it really, it really helps your marriage, doesn't it?
2: Absolutely. Uh, you know, as a priest of your home or as a husband, um, you know, we're we're called to lead, and uh, she. Uh, Amy has t- told me a number of times that um, when when I'm following God, and um, and she knows she can trust that I'm following after Him, and and following His calling, then she can have confidence in following me after God. That's,
0: it, uh, that's that whole thing. Husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church, and wives respect your husbands. Wives will never have a hard time submitting. Wives submit to your husbands. Wives will never have a hard time submitting to a man of God who is serving his wife like love like christ loved the church all right martin peter took all of the wind and the and the air before the break i'm peter i'm just giving you a hard time martin tell me how is christ making a difference in your life today
1: when you begin to grasp the concept that the creator of the universe created me and in my inmost being and uh and he loves me so much that he gave me my own personal DNA so that I could then participate in the ministry that, that he's doing the way he designed me to do that. I'm reminded of the body, uh, his body and our body that were each part of the body uh, the ear has a job to do. The toe has a job to do. And I, I get to be a part of what he's doing.
0: Yeah, I've had discussions with people this year about that. And we always focus on big major body parts. But what about the corpuscles? ever talks about the corpuscles or maybe even just the cell... The core, those are the, the core, you know, Peter, do you, yes. you know what I'm talking Those are the little veins next to the big veins. So just the things that are getting the blood out to all of the extremities. Nobody talks about <laughs> those people within the body of Christ because they're way behind the scenes. And what they do isn't noticed by anybody. But if they didn't do it,
1: nothing would ever be accomplished. The, the evil one wants us to feel insignificant. Christ has created us to be very significant. So the more we understand that, the greater fulfillment will be.
0: Well, and that's really the point behind I work for him, is to recognize that no matter what we do, everything can be done for the glory of the Lord, and we are supposed to do whatever we do with excellence. We just need more of those people on our highways, working on our highways. That's all we just need of those people. Faster, better, stronger. Okay, so... Martin, th- this part of the show is going to be all about how God orchestrated in your life. What was the first time, when was the first time you went to the Dominican Republic? It was, all, it was over 30 years ago, wasn't it?
1: Yes, I think it was 32 or 33 years ago. Uh, Brent Whitehead and I went down together. We didn't know each other very well, but we're, he was from Bradenton, I'm from Sarasota. And he went there as a general contractor to make sure the churches, uh, little cement block churches were properly built. I went there to chaperone our 15-year-old daughter. Uh, and there was about 200 kids there from the southeastern part of the United States. So that was our first trip. So, but why did you, you just, I mean, had you ever been to a, a
0: developing nation before?
1: No, it was more of just uh, our our daughter wanted to go. Her older sisters had already been there. They okay. came back and talked about how great it was. She wanted to go. But she was a year too young by our family standards. So my wife said to her, if you can convince your father to go with you, mm-hmm. then you'll get my approval. And as I laugh about it, it took her 12 seconds to convince me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Our <laughs> daughters do have an amazing amount of power over us, don't they? Yes. Yeah, they really do. They really do. So what was the impact on your spiritual life on the trip? When you, when you went there, how did it shift your paradigm in your life?
1: I never had seen such poverty before. Uh, It was way outside of my expectations. And I remember one evening that Brent and I, after dinner, were talking to a Dominican doctor, a Christian doctor, who had a little minivan that was converted into a a mobile clinic. And he was coming to our little church site the next day to give free meds to those that would come. And uh, so we were very curious, what was he going to be doing? And he went into great detail about you know, the various kinds of uh, patients uh, that he'd be treating. But then after a few minutes of chatting, he said he just kind of threw his hands up, shrugged his shoulders. And he said, you know, but the lifestyle, they'll just keep doing the same thing. What I do really doesn't amount to much. He said, you two guys could do more for these folks than I'm doing. Wow. Brennan and I looked at each other and thought, here's two (laughs) gringos that only know Banyo as uh, our— got to know know how to go to the bathroom. you got to know. And uh, so we said, what are you talking about? And he said, if you could give them pure water, you'd preclude most of the things I treat people for. Wow. So then we started probing, what do you mean pure water? Because that was outside of my understanding. You know, in America, you always have pure water. You turn Just turn the a, faucet on. Turn on the faucet and drink it. And so he began to explain how polluted water, uh, they go to uh, uh, creeks and uh, rivers uh, one river he told us about, there's a hospital upstream that dumps all of their waste into that river. But the people down below, uh, two or three or five miles down below, they don't know that. And so they go and get their drinking water out of that same river. <laughs> and, and so that was, he, when he told us that story, then we kept asking questions. So what does it take to solve this? He said, if you just uh, drill a well uh, on uh, in their village, they could just walk a block or two and get pure water from a well. And so that's where it began. And I remember thinking, I said, are, are you talking about a a well that you drill with a hand pump at the top of it to pump water? And he said, Yes. And I remember on the farm we had one of those. Sure. And I said, Well, yeah. the water out of a hand pump well is always the best water ever. Yes. And I said, Well, that's not complicated. We can do that. And so that's really how it got started. So
0: it started off with you guys going then back with a plan, digging wells near churches. Weren't you digging them? Well, you digging them in the, in, the town, in the little villages, which they all had a little church
1: in every one of the villages. We had the thought that, that the church would be a uh, prominent place for the people of the village. It turned out not to be so, but we thought that. And so we thought, you know, in our ignorance, that, well, we'll just drill a well on church property, then the people will come for living water as well as drinking water, and we'll see great evangelism take place uh we didn't understand that problem until much later
0: so how many years did you dig wells before you realized that there was a problem with the with the business plan
1: well it uh, we drilled wells for about 23 years uh we were seeing some spiritual fruit and a lot of lives are being saved. The children under five years of age—it was pretty common number that 50 percent of the of the babies from birth to five were, would die. Oh my uh, word! That's and, a, that's a huge number, and usually from parasites. And likewise, the people over 60 or 65. Uh, They're weaker, and they too would uh, die of parasites. So we saw enormous uh, benefits to the health of of those two segments uh, over the years, but not a lot of spiritual fruit. Well, you and Brent, both
0: being business people, both having businesses, you understood the business model, and you thought, well, drilling wells gives you people fresh water, and the pastors, well, if there are people out there getting water, they would naturally start to develop relationships with these people. But after all those years, you realized something was broken. It, it wasn't happening the way you expected it to be. How many wells had you drilled by that point in time? Uh, we actually we never kept track of the number. No kidding. No. So I mean, is it hundreds of wells that you've drilled? It'd be
1: hundreds of wells.
0: So how, yeah. I mean, the Dominican is a volcanic island,
1: right? So how far down did you have to drill in order to get the fresh water? Well, uh, maybe a hundred to 200 feet and not in every case did we drill a well. Uh, we had a full-time engineer uh, there And sometimes we'd harness a spring. There was a lot of springs up in the mountains. And so sometimes it would just be a matter of harnessing the spring and piping the water to them. Oh, Uh, So there were different ways to to come by the water depending on the area.
0: So talk to me about how the ministry evolved from drilling wells to get people fresh water, to get them healthier, and hoping that the pastors would take advantage of that to where you are today. Because there was a paradigm shift that happened,
1: well, eight, nine years ago. That was just really a supernatural work of God. Um, Awesome. uh, The third year into the well drilling, um, we made all of our mistakes the first three years— uh, but the third year, we understood that it had to be a Dominican ministry and not a U.S. ministry. What, well, this us just stop there
0: a lot because white man struggles with that because we think we know all of the answers. So I'm just going to insult myself and think, okay, so I'm going to the Dominican. I'm going to do my. I'm going to do it the American way, the United States way, and that didn't work. It didn't work at all. And, <laughs> and, the, and the cool part is, we're now realizing this all over the world that. We, it, the best thing we can do is what you guys have done in the Dominican. So what did you do to solve that problem?
1: We uh, Through relationships, we were introduced to a, uh, to a gentleman, uh, the most godly man I know today, Ra- Ra- Abel Ramirez. And he has had and has a passion for the Dominican Republic, not for his denomination, but for the Dominican Republic. He became our executive director uh, the third year into the ministry.
0: So he was a... a- a local he was some he was from the island yes. it was his people he understood the culture obviously understood all the language probably the different dialects from the different
1: villages he was the he was on the ground guy it made sense to use him He's kept us uh, Brent and I out of so much trouble since then it's unbelievable. <laughs> and, so you've gotten into a lot of trouble before that? Yeah, well we you make the American mistakes you know it's uh, we have the wisdom we have the talent and we have the money you we can money. we can, can fix can your anything. problems. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we can
0: solve anything we're Americans
1: we can do it. Yeah and so uh but about uh, 10 years ago roughly 10 years ago God did a supernatural work in Abel's heart. And uh, Brendan and I didn't have anything to do with it. We just, a bell came back to us and he had reinvented the ministry and it totally changed the paradigm to upon this rock, I have built my church. We're talking today with Martin Newby and Peter
0: Swanson. They're with an organization that I absolutely love. I would love to be their international spokesperson because what they do each and every day is change lives. Okay, no, they're not changing lives. They're working alongside the Holy Spirit and have been doing this for over 32 years in the Dominican Republic, helping lead hundreds of thousands of people to Christ, not just in a Billy Graham associ- uh, uh, evangelistic meeting. They lead people to Christ in neighborhoods and villages, and then they disciple them. And that's what we're going to hear about next. Martin, When so you know, 32 years ago, you and Brent go, wow, we can help impact the nation of the Dominican Republic just by bringing fresh water. Simple little thing. Something that we have taken for granted in this country forever. Because really, fresh water has been below the ground here. It's everywhere. And our ground isn't volcanic or, you know, a lot of places it's easier to get to. but you, So you were digging wells on church property, hoping that when they came to get the fresh water, that the pastors would then evangelize people, tell people about Christ. Now, the Dominican Republic is, for the most part, a Catholic nation. You know, it was it was, you know, conquered by the Spanish. I have no idea when it was, but it is a Catholic nation. So people there, as I've been there a couple of times, are very religious, but they're not being taught about who Jesus really is. So how, what was it that smacked you upside the head that helped you realize, wow, we're digging wells, but we're not reaching people for Christ the, at, at the in the extent that we should?
1: Well, our model was broken. We two Americans went down there with our uh, expertise and the ability to raise funds in the States, uh, thinking that we could solve their problems. What we, what God did in Abel's heart as he re-engineered the ministry is said, what does the New Testament teach? What, how did Jesus say we were to help people? And when Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church— that said to us that said to abel and uh, so he's become my teacher uh, that we need to work with the local pastor and maybe two or three of his leaders in his church how can we help the church how can we coach the pastor how can we encourage him through coaching and mentoring and modeling so the church is empowered Ephesians 4:12 the church is given the gifts in 4:11 to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry in Ephesians 4.12. And so we move then from looking at a pastor, one-man show that's going to do something in the community, to he then equipping his 20 or 30 adults in his church, and then they looked for ways to minister to the least of these in their village. Far more effective. We're talking with Martin Newby and Peter Swanson from Love Serves
0: International. Find out more about them online at loveserves.org. You know I wouldn't bring a ministry on my show if it's not one that I've checked out to the teeth, that I've read all about them, that I know the people, and I know that they're actually making a kingdom impact. And this is what inspired me. Five years ago when I got uh, introduced to Peter Swanson, he started telling me this story of this amazing ministry that for almost 25 years dug wells in churchyards to attract people to fresh water with the hopes that the pastors would share the living water with them. But the, but the model was broken. It, it, they were digging a lot of great wells, giving people a lot of fresh water, but they weren't reaching the numbers of people to Christ that they thought they should. Then came the paradigm shift. Martin, it has been an amazing paradigm shift because what went from you know a few people every year coming to Christ to today, the numbers are staggering how many people are coming to Christ. But what was the model shift that you had to do? What did you guys have to change? You had to stop digging wells and
1: focus on what? We had to focus on what did the New Testament teach. The New Testament said that you're to make disciples, you're to love the least of these you're to love your neighbor as christ loves the church and so we started focusing all the structure was around the new testament model and we stripped out everything else that made us feel good fed the pride of uh, we americans and that was a defining difference so and
0: let's let's put that in real terms though because i'm a guy that likes to say like real terms okay so you were hoping that it would work And what you started doing is you got intentional with this because I really believe that what you guys are doing in the Dominican is what we need to do here in the United States, because there's a lot of, there are some churches that are very intentional in the message in getting the message of the gospel out to the community, but the numbers are a few percentage points versus the rest of them. that just expect people to walk through the doors, you know, but they fail to recognize that in our community, people aren't going to walk through the doors of the church because they're worried about the lightning effect. Peter, what's that lightning effect? Do you know what it is? You didn't grow up in the United States. you know what the lightning effect is? Tell me. People are worried they're going to get hit by lightning if they go through the doors of the church because of all the garbage they've done in their lives. They're worried about because of all the sin. Why would God ever let them walk through those doors? They're worried they're going to get struck by lightning the minute they walk through the door. I see. And people joke about it. Martin, how many times have you heard people say that? Absolutely. It's an amazing thing. So you've you started you shifted the ministry model you set aside what you thought was work and and a bell heard from
1: the lord hey we need to do things differently so what does it look like today when the church members are equipped and encouraged to go to the least of these in their community if we make the the joke because it's is a sickening joke, but we don't invite people to come to church. We equip the church to go to the people. When the church goes to the least of these in the power of the Holy Spirit with the love of Jesus, Jesus's love changes hearts. Jesus' love was attractive. He had multitudes following him because he exuded love to them. The church in the Dominican Republic is doing that today, and the results are supernatural.
0: Well, and really, Peter, isn't this what—I mean, it's a—and I love what you're saying. You're saying you're equipping the church people to go to the village people. So I like that. I just want to put the village people in there. I thought that'd be kind of fun. But isn't it true what you started doing was you started discipling pastors on how to do their job more effectively? Now, most of the pastors—isn't it true, Peter? Most of the pastors in the Dominican have never gone to Bible school or seminary.
2: Yeah, that's right. In fact, um, the majority of of pastors may have completed, may or may not have completed the eighth grade. Um, so you know, you hear from God, you, maybe they get saved, they and uh, now they're now they're expected to start a church. Maybe it's independent church, maybe it's not a denominational church, but they don't have the tools, they don't have uh, any of the the structure. Um, so their their idea is, well, um, I just have to make sure that you know these eighteen people in my pews um you know are following uh what what i've been passed what's been passed on to me which is you know let's look at the the ten commandments or let's just follow these rules um and then of course there's the man-made rules that come in you know a lot of them are very legalistic um because they haven't been taught um the most important things and that's that is to disciple uh make disciples and so when 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 they begin a church um it's It's immediately on the wrong track. Peter, as
0: you look at this shift and you look at what you're doing with local pastors in these villages, isn't it true, as you were saying, most pastors may not even have an 8th grade education, but they can read? Can they read? Most pastors, can they read?
2: Yes, uh, some of them don't. We actually have a story about a guy who was illiterate for a good part of his ministry. so. so, (laughs) So they don't have much education. They definitely haven't
0: been to seminary. They definitely haven't been to Bible school. And isn't it true most of them are also bivocational?
2: Yeah. Many but they of they them have are. a job
0: somewhere else, right? They're not getting full time paid by their church. Yeah. All right. So you realize that people aren't coming to the Lord because of the efforts of the pastor because you gave them a fresh well up front. Martin, you decided, hey, we got to start, you know, Abel said, hey, we got to start discipling pastors. We've got to shift to this. We got to equip them. Peter, Martin says you got a great story that describes what's going on here at Love Serves. Go ahead and tell that story.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, as Martin was saying earlier, the, the problem is that the church uh, is broken. If you can imagine the church being it's got sick got people in it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But what does a sick church look like? It's um, it's one that isn't fulfilling the Great Commission. It's It has uh, people in it that aren't acting on their faith, um, that aren't reaching their lost, that aren't caring for the poor. And so how do you change that? Well, I have a story that really tells the entire story of Love Serves, and it shares our vision— um, imagine a, a pastor who, who thinks the that uh, for years and years and years he's preached that um, sports are sin, ice cream is sin. I mean, it's just ultra legalistic. How do you reach a community when um, everything under every rock is sin? And um, you, you know what it started with. His name is Amado. This pastor in a little town called Bunny, and uh, he he had. Reached his heart out for, for decades. Uh, he had grown his church to all of 30 members, and he meets Raphael. Raphael is one of our coaches. Uh, he's been with us the longest, and he was invited to one of our workshops. This is kind of a, his, his initial uh, connection to us. He, he learns many things, but one of the key things was that God uh, had called him to be an equipper of the saints. Instead of doing all the work himself, and and because he was he only had a few, uh, he he only had a few people in the in his church. Um, he, he he was just focused on them and their problems, and he recognized that he needed to do more. He needed to go outside the four walls, and so he came back. He was all excited. He shared with his wife, his two kids, and his son at the time must have been in grade school. And he said, "Dad, I I feel." Uh, he felt compelled, and he went and he got some of the clothes from his uh, from his drawer, and he said, Dad, I want to give these to the poor. Now, I need to explain that th- this isn't a rich family. This is a poor Dominican family, a pastoral family, but this little boy said, I want to give to the poor. His sister does the same thing. Pretty soon, Pastor Amado is looking at his wife and saying, wow, our kids are leading the rubbers, meeting the road here. We need to go out and do this. Uh, so they they gathered all their clothes, and the next Sunday, of course, the word is out. You can hear the rumblings of the thirty some members out in the pew, and one of the uh, parishioners raised their hand and said, "Pastor, what is going on? You're giving your clothes. You know, we understand that this is this is something good that that Jesus taught. What what can we do? We want to be involved, and you could tell that there's this new hunger that was coming from that. So Pastor Miles said, "Tell you what." God is really moving. I want everybody to bring uh, a can, you know, some beans, um, some rice, and some oil, and and we're going to put together a box of food um, uh, for some people who don't have, you know, three meals a day. They don't have two meals, and maybe they didn't eat this week. We're going to put together some food for them. So what, what they, this was? Little did he realize this was going to be the beginning of a huge um, um, food distribution uh, ministry. And so the next week they had enough food to box up 4 uh, 45 boxes of food and this is the, this is a classic um uh, loaves and fishes uh these are poor people they just brought what they had they felt called and uh and this ministry was born now there's a second part of this that is very powerful in the community there's um there was a man he had uh he had a uh, a reputation for being a very violent even a murderer, his his nickname was the butcher, and nobody would go near him. He'd come out into the street and they'd close their doors. Um, they would run the other way. He was a very dangerous man. Uh, he abused his family, his wife and kids, and he was he was involved in witchcraft and drugs. One of the ministry uh, leaders, Dario. Uh, who had been equipped by Pastor Amado, that Ephesians 4.12, we equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. He, he felt compelled to go to this very dangerous man, the butcher, and bring him some of this food because he didn't have food. And after a, a weeks of bringing him food, this very violent man, he just looked at him and said, why are you doing this? And Dario looks in his eyes, just a regular farmer, just a, a regular guy, a regular Christian man. He says, because Jesus loves you, and I love you. Won't you come to the church? And he he refused and at first, but then the butcher decided he would go to church. A couple weeks later, he was saved. The church accepted him in, in spite of his, his horrible reputation, and he became a, a new man, a Christian man. Who uh, now he, uh, with a short, uh, very small amount of money, he was able to, that the church was able to give him. To start a little fruit uh, fruit store, and now he takes avocados on the back of his motorcycle to other people. He preaches the gospel with a bullhorn. (laughs) He shares his testimony um, with everybody who will listen. Then he gives them some avocados, and he goes into the prisons, sharing that this is an example of a life being transformed. One who's that every but the least of these, as as Martin was saying, this is an example of how one of our coaches teaches the pastor to equip the saints. A guy named Dario, he's equipped, he goes, he takes um, uh, food to somebody who's 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 a reject of community, and that man is saved because of the love that is shown. That's what love is. It serves. And uh, I think that really just kind of incorpor- encap- encapsulates what our ministry is all about.
0: When you look at the impact, that's just one story of one guy. But your mo- I want to describe the model, because again, we need to reverse influence the church because the church was designed in the early church and Acts is described, okay, he had 12 guys who walked around with Jesus every day and those guys started discipling other people. And then those people started discipling other people and it spread and eventually the Roman Empire was taken over by Christianity. That's really been the key to your ministry. You, Abel, I'm guessing, was your first discipler. He went in and started discipling pastors. Now how many coaches head disciples do you guys have in the dominican
2: we have eight we just hired on our eighth uh, coach he's he's in training still and named some well but these other seven men are uh, man they're giants among men and i'm just it's amazing to be a part of that ministry because these are guys um, i mean they're not only are they coaches that work for us they are also pastors of their own churches so the principles that they're teaching uh, the healthy church principles, how to um, equip the saints and start ministries. They're doing that in their own churches, and they're sharing those examples and uh, with those. It's like a playing coach, somebody who knows because they're doing it themselves. Well, and so you've got these guys, and and I love that.
0: It's you've got you got eight guys. Now, what's important people understand is with these eight guys, these eight guys, then each disciple. How many pastors?
2: Well, each year we're bringing in new pastors every year. Okay, right. so on the average, uh, they're coaching between seventy and a hundred pastors. So each one of these guys, Love serves,
0: provides them a vehicle. But understand, it's not like a Metro because a Geo Metro or a Nissan Versa is not going to go in the Dominican Republic. They have to provide these guys with off-road vehicles because even the highways are an off-road experience i saw potholes in the dominican republic that were bigger than most cars here in the united states and and those were the good roads i mean those are amazing so these guys they they take these coaches they have indirect influence over almost a hundred pastors in a discipleship route how many churches is love serves impacting today in the dominican republic martin
1: it would be a little over 500 at any given time. And it's a rolling number because it takes about 24 months From the time a pastor starts into the uh, training process until we say he's graduated. So how many total churches have you guys been able to impact in these
0: last 10 years of focus on discipling pastors?
1: Just a little over 2,000
0: churches. 2,000 churches. What an amazing thing. Now, here's the thing that gets me really excited. Okay, so we're discipling a lot of pastors, and there's these stories like the butcher story. Thousands and thousands and thousands of times. So you went from... Putting a whole bunch of wells in, to now you're discipling. You've discipled pastors. you get an impact in almost two thousand churches in the Dominican Republic, in villages across the island. Each and every year, you're seeing thousands of people come to come to the Lord. Yes. yes. And, when, and and this is what I loved. When I first went to one of their board meetings or a presentation, they, they said, okay. And that was a year I think that the, as a result of the ministry, it was like 10,600 people came to the Lord that year. Now last year, what, what, how many people came to the Lord last year as a result of the ministry? A little over 12,000. Okay. And here's what, they don't just count people to walk forward and you know raise their hand. That's not the way they do it. Because I've been to the Dominican Republic, and people want to go forward because they want anything that's free because they're starving to death. And so they'll raise their hand for just about anything. These are people, they only count believers that have been led to Christ as a result of the ministry of what the Holy Spirit's doing with Love Serves. People that have made a commitment to Christ and have been involved in a discipleship ministry, a church ministry for three months, and they have to be over 18. And then they count them. That's an amazing thing because they don't want the numbers to be bloated. They want to talk about real impact. Now let's step that back to the United States of America, guys. And you got 55 seconds to talk about this. How do we take this model? You guys have done this in the Dominican Republic. Can we bring it back here? Can we start teaching pastors here to
1: disciple? The New Testament works around the world. It's the application that counts. And we've uh, had—we would encourage pastors, uh, mission leaders, to come down to the Dominican Republic and interview some of these uh, peer pastors of theirs who are Dominicans. We offer a three-day vision trip. I fly down one day, go out and meet five or six pastors and interview them the next day and fly back the third day. So it's very simple. Or they could go down for a one-week work trip. Uh, our work trips are altogether different than the typical mission work trip that uh, most of us have been on in the years past.
0: Yeah, if you think getting sweaty here in Florida is really getting sweaty, you don't know heat until you've been in the Dominican Republic. It need to go in July. Great time to go there. Absolutely fantastic. we got Martin Newby and Peter Swanson here with Love Serves. Find out more about their ministry, loveserves.org, loveserves.org, a ministry focused on discipling people in the Dominican Republic, discipling pastors and teaching them how to disciple others in their other pastors and other people in their community, their church communities, and they're hugely impacting the island. As you look at I, Martin, I'm just going to ask you this question: When you look at the impact that that Love serves has been able to be part of the Holy Spirit movement in the Dominican Republic, where thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have been impacted. Do you have the, have the people in the government started to notice your impact? I mean, are they coming to you going, whatever you're doing, keep doing it?
1: That's a good question. We were uh, there uh, not so long ago, and we visited this village. Uh, some people were down there on a three-day vision trip, and this gentleman walked in. He was about 40 years old, and he had gold chain around his neck. He was mm-hmm. well-dressed, better than anybody else in the community. He was the mayor. Uh, <laughs> uh, pretty soon, he introduced himself because none of us knew who he was. And he said, I am a city commissioner. I was elected to improve this community. He said, what this little church has done, I had to come and find out how they're doing so much in this community. They're doing it voluntarily. I do it for pay. So he said, I came to inquire. That's fantastic. And so, yeah, the government is observing.
0: Loveserves.org, loveserves.org. Here's a ministry that's focused on the New Testament model of discipleship, starting at the top with the pastors working its way down, reaching people for Christ by the dozens each and every day, by the hundreds each and every month. Get involved. Loveserves.org. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Great conversation. Sorry we ran out of time. Thank you, Jim. As we come to the end of another Our Work ram show, I want to thank you for tuning in. Thanks so much to Jose for just doing a great job keeping everybody on informed and me on time. Thanks to our show sponsors. Look them up on our website, iWorkForHim.com. I want you to help support them so they can help support us. Hey, when you get home tonight, go to iWorkForHim.com and click on the iWorkForHim Nation tab. I'm looking for people that will make the commitment to start praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. Let's start this discipleship model in our workplaces because if we're going to take the city, it's going to start that way you know we learned today that our faith can impact a nation if we're just willing to go martin Newby, brent whitehead 32 years ago went to the dominican republic just open to whatever god was doing and a need was brought before them and they said okay i can do that and god used their willingness to make a huge impact on an island nation these guys didn't go there to make an impact on the island nation they just wanted to be willing they were just willing to go are you willing to go are you willing to start small maybe even in your own workplace but as they're in the dominican republic discipling pastors how about you looking at your community your work community your neighborhood community are you sharing what christ has done in your life with them by serving other people, by ministering to their needs, you'd be amazed at what an impact it can make just by loving people right where they're at. Loveserves.org. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.